Thank you for joining us for another night of Dungeons and Dragons, fifth edition, and this is the Yalzar Majora setting. Uh, my own creation. The campaign is the Eight Spirits. As always, we are joined by our primary host of the four players, with the fifth player potentially joining us later on. Our party tonight starts as our cleric. That be me, Ogden. Our paladin. That would be me, Michelle, playing Bork. Our monk. Uh, that would be me, Jane, uh, me, James, playing your uh, favorite monk, Kenji. And our warlock. Uh, that's me, Lauren, playing Vin. So, when we last left off our party, they had just come to the kingdom city limits of Detroit. Uh, a piece of sweet information for listeners uh, and returning listeners uh, Detroit was actually a, a kingdom created by one of the earlier campaigns that I set in the world of Yalzar. So for those here uh, who were a part of those campaigns or just know the world's lore and are really like looking forward to hearing about how old characters are holding up, uh, hopefully we'll meet some friendly faces tonight. So you guys are standing, like I said, on the outskirts of Detroit. Um, you see that there is a, a big oaken sign in the ground that, you know, points Detroit this way. Um, and in the distance, you can see the beginnings of agriculture and small town. All right. Well, that seems to be the way to go, so let's go. Okay. Um, I forget, how. What, what mode of transportation is the party using right now? And is Prim with you? Uh, I believe Prim said that she was going to... Uh, Go do dragony things away from us. Yeah, take her leave of us, just so she wouldn't cause us any more issues. Right. So I assume we're on button. Okay. Correct. Probably. So, uh, first thing that would come to any real attention, I mean, other than, you know, the occasional farmhouse and large, verdant fields of uh, collard greens and other assorted, uh, assorted uh, foodstuffs that seem... Unusually ripe for harvest, considering the time of year. Uh, Tenchi, in the distance, your eyes, as sharp as they are, are able to notice something down the road. Some sort of simple blockade. Uh, can I give a perception check for detail? Absolutely. Alright, that's a good start. Uh, perception is a... Sorry, 16. Okay. You're able to see that there is a very rudimentary, like very basic looking, uh, like sort of wooden plank arm sort of contraption uh, that mm. rises over and falls back to gently prohibit road travel. Um, and standing there is a robed person. You cannot see their face, it is hidden. And two guards <laughs> whose armor looks sort of like pot-bellied, like their like their their sort of chest armor has like a pretty bulgous, uh, almost iconic stomach to the front plates. Okay. Uh, so that no matter who is inside of it, they would probably look pretty obese. Okay. Uh, and the two guards are wielding a long sword. And a spear each, um, and you can see that there is a pair of shields leaning against what you could only guess is um, like a guard tower or guard like hut structure for that little 
crossway. Okay. So I just kind of tell the other people in the party, it's like, hmm, it looks like there's a checkpoint up ahead, but I don't know why. Hmm. We have nothing to hide. Cool. I hope not. I hope we don't. Oh, Do and they look like they're particularly threatening? No, they look like they're bored. Uh, and, but there's another rogue person up there with them, but I don't know if that's a passenger or a traveler or not. Well, you would actually be able to tell that there was a carriage that passed the checkpoint somewhat recently, because past the checkpoint, you can see a carriage sort of going down the road, uh, quite a ways ahead of you, past the checkpoint even. Okay. So you guys just... Go up to Say how yeah. okay. mm-hmm. So well, you I'm guys, sure. you guys approach the checkpoint, and when you guys are maybe about a hundred feet from it, the two guards sort of, you know, sort of stretch themselves out and get, you know, their shoulders all proper and step in for in front of the sort of simple wooden arm that blocks the path, and the rope figure sort of walks into the guard hut. Um, and when you, by the time that all happens, and you guys are probably still just walking forward, um, you get about 50 feet from the checkpoint, and one of the guards raises their hand in a very sort of classic, stop there, who are you, and what is your business in the kingdom of Detroit? Then Tenji pulls a letter out of his backpack, a letter for the queen. The two guards look at each other, um, and back to you and go, a letter for the queen. There's the kind of yeah. chuckle to each other a little bit. We'll bring it on forward then. Uh, no, because it's not for you. Well, you could be assassins to come and kill the queen. No? <laughs> Very convincing. To Bravo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll have you know, Mr. Guardsman, my defense to tell you that I'm not an assassin is by telling you I'm not an assassin. <laughs> I have you. <laughs> that's like a that's like a that's like a simple Monty Python sketch in the works. I love it. <laughs> oh god, we're actually devolving into that. I mean eventually, right? It kinda happens to every party at least once. Mm, but we yeah, right. it off to like twenty eight. Yeah. Um okay. uh, is there any way we can seek audience with the Queen? Well, that would be very difficult, but perhaps you could, that could be arranged. Vizier, come and see these people. And at that call, um, the other guardsman who has not really been dialoguing with you much, only really dialoguing back and forth uh, with the other guard, um, sort of beckons you forward with a gesture. Uh, During that time, the previously witnessed robed person comes back out of the guardhouse. So the vizier walks out of the guard shed um, and sort of lifts their hood off of their head for the first time. You get a full sort of visage uh, or look at this person's visage. Um, It is a dragonborn, a female dragonborn, you can tell, uh, just by the curves and scales. Fuck it. Look it up. Uh, Actually, don't. Don't look that up. Don't look that up. (laughs) I just realized what I was asking our listeners to do, and I was like... Mm, wait, mm, no, don't do yeah, that. Yeah, no, there are plenty of... <laughs> it's not safe to search for any characterization on the internet. Uh-huh. Uh, 
bit on character. Is this the same female Dragonborn from uh, the other, the Coalition campaign? I don't know. Let's find out. Alrighty. Yeah. Let's 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 <laughs> let's find out. Um, racist. I didn't even say what color her scales were. You just think they all look alike. Jesus, Ogden, you get, get your shit together. Where I'm like, oh, is this the one? Is this the one that everyone else is talking about? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, uh, I digress. Right. So she has uh, red scales and steps forward, and her uh, she closes her eyes for a moment and brings up one of her clawed hands. And when she opens her eyes again, they are pools of blackness. And she's sort of looking at the group of you with these empty voids for eyes, sort of scans her hand across you with a little flicker of magic in her palm. And as she scans it across each of you, the little fire, the little white flamed fire flares up uh, to the point where after she's done scanning you, she sort of looks at her palm and there's like a sizable little fire in her hand. And she looks to the guards and says, they should go to the castle immediately. And with that, she sort of snuffs the fire out, puts back up her hood, and scurries into um, the guardhouse. To that, the guards immediately go from being... So the guards go from their much more relaxed approach that they've been with you all to this point. I mean, even to the point where they were sort of kind of joking with you as you requested to see the queen. But, uh, so they, one of the guards lifts the wooden arm up. Uh, you can see at this point it's on like a, like a rope pulley of some sort. Very rudimentary, very simple. And the second guard sort of has his hand on his long sword as you all pass. Okay. Okay. So, do you guys pass? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Yep. The guards do not stop you, but uh, they do seem visibly much more on guard uh, as you leave them. And the moment you walk past collectively, the wooden arm slowly comes back down. Uh, and any look over your shoulder is met with both of the guards, uh, again, palming their hilts of their long swords as you... Uh, walk down the road. I'm going to give him a little sarcastic salute. <clears throat> it wouldn't be a normal day for us if we didn't get strange looks from the guards. Okay, I just changed uh, the quality setting on my mic. Is that so, you guys make your way down the road, and not long after the checkpoint, you see more and more houses popping up along the sides of the road. Uh, there, uh, this is a very lively sort of area, you can tell, whether most people make their living off of the land and the farmlands that they own. Um, from the occasional clanging of an anvil you can hear as you walk past some residences, uh, clearly quite the skilled labor uh, demographic. But also you see some people just slumming it on their front porch, enjoying the wonderful sun that is the day. Okay. So moving right along. Uh, it's not too long, however, until you sort of begin to get into more 
uh, urban areas. You leave the farmlands behind you after maybe only a couple of miles of walking. And you start to see more dense houses, more businesses at this point. You, you've already walked past a tavern or two, but at this point you see a tavern at nearly every corner. Um, and whereas before you would see several places being like uh, McGurk's Lurk sold here as kind of like a selling point to that end, you don't see that on any of these ends. Although, remembering some, some local knowledge, you remember your that this is where McGurk's Lurks is brewed, so that shit's probably in every single bar, uh, with no real need to advertise that it's sold there. Uh, and it's uh, about maybe two or three blocks of industry into the more urban areas of this kingdomhood that uh, you are stopped by a court of guards, about ten strong, all still with that very... Uh, uh, the same armaments as the two you met on the road. The sort of pot-bellied armor, uh, spear in one hand, long sword on the waist, shield on the back, some sort of kite shield. You have not actually taken a good look at any of the symbolism yet. And uh, one of the more finely dressed, with a little white plume on his helmet, steps forward and uh, raises the visor of his helmet, looking very much like uh, the slightly portly knight from the Holy Grail. Yeah. Um, it's actually, you find out to be a female, and she is a female woman. Uh, female woman. She is... <laughs> she Brother. is a... a thank you. Uh, a woman human, and she introduces herself with a strong stance, almost as if the need to impress you. Um, says, stop there, visitors. We understand you're here to see the queen. Is that right? That's correct. Uh-huh. Well, we've also heard word that there's something quite queer about you people. Excuse me? Well, just look at you. You're coated she, in that... She means strange. Oh. Oh. Okay. Just every one of you. Every single one of you is just as gay as fruitcake. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't going to say anything, but... Fort Spence is not going to be a man. apparently. <laughs> Word gets around. No, um, uh, that's why he'll never forget that night. Uh, no, no. <laughs> I just, I just really like using the word queer in its traditional meaning. Um, you don't often get to these days. Anyway, so she says, "There's something awful queer about you." Uh, the we've heard one of our co one of our border guards checkpoints is viziers. That's a lot of stages of. Ownership. Um, say that you've been, you are absolutely cloaked in crystal magic, something that has put you on quite the watch list. We've not had you stay in our inns or pollute our stores with your filthy money. You say you're here to see the queen. We'll bring you to them immediately. Burn sure travels fast in this town. City. Well, the way I, I see it. <laughs> the short time we spent here, the better. So, yeah, let's go. All right. But something smells weird. Immediately, the circle of the, the circle of ten guards surrounds your group and sort of seems to escort you uh, down uh, the same road you were going, almost as if you were perfectly uh, heading towards the the, the the castle. Which, that is actually quite quickly affirmed to you. 
as uh, not too long more walking is required before uh, anyone, not even Tenchi's keen eyes, is required to show. But you can see the tall walls of the castle before you. So, any interactions at this point, or do you guys have any desires before you officially uh, go into the castle? I, I'm guessing there's heraldry hanging from like the castle walls that we can see from now. Well, something of note is that you can, at this point, since you're pretty much surrounded um, by two uh, legions of five guards each on either side of your party, you can see their shields. And their shields are kind of like a reverse teardrop shape. Oh, let me... Yeah. And the, 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 the center boss is actually like um, a dragon head that sort of sticks out. Uh, it's it's Interesting. just... It has some texture to the shield, obviously, but it's more of a design than anything. So, you guys are... Go ahead. As, 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 we, as we go by, are like townsfolk just like checking us out? Like, oh, it's those dirty crystal people. Like, has word already started to spread that we're here? Um, you don't get Other that impression. You, you you are being looked at by many of the population. So you don't get the impression that people are stopping their business of the day and looking at you because of that. But people are definitely, you know, looking over their shoulders and giving a cross look at your sort of procession, um, which makes it seem like, a group of people, a group of outsiders being escorted by the guard is enough to raise awareness. Okay, that's fair. Ooh, a side piece of information. At some point, closer to the castle walls, you see that you pass by the rather uh, sizable manufacturing uh, brewery of McGurk's Lurks. You can tell because there's a big semi-automated, like, almost like a golem is moving it sign that is just like a dwarf holding it, like raising up a mug to its face and bringing it back down and raising it back up to its face and bringing its arm back down. And it just says, McGurk's Brothers, finest ale across the nation and others, McGurk's Lurks. We drink it, you drink it, we brew it, you pay for it. So it's kind of like one of those old-time signs where it's just going between one motion and the other, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 very simplistic mechanisms going on. Basic animatronics. Yeah. Good use for concept. You could tell that a fucking gnome was involved for damn sure that. Um, but it would certainly be a spectacle to see as you pass. That's pretty cool. So you guys uh, have spent, unfortunately, quite a time walking. I mean, today has been a long day already, uh, and it's nearly midday at this point, and it has just been nothing but walking, uh, mostly eastward. And you finally find yourselves at the base of the great 50-foot-tall stone walls of Detroit Castle, or keep, let's call it a keep. And the mighty iron wrought portcullis is raised to the cry of the female captain of the guard battalion that's uh, escorting you. The portcullis like clink and then raises up as mighty chains are pulled by some mechanism inside. And uh, as you all, as the portcullis is raised, you can kind of get a better look at what's before you. And that is a simple 
cobblestone walkway that leads to a grand staircase, maybe 20 steps tall, a break every 10 or so steps. Um, and it's and sitting at the top of those steps is a large throne-like structure that seems way too large, maybe 10 feet tall or more. It seems way too big for any normal person to sit in. And yet beside it is a large iron wrought door with a gigantic bar lock of some kind that has been twisted into place. And uh, to, to that, the captain of the guard says, we are not yet time to come back to the castle grounds. We have many more rounds to complete. We were asked to escort you to the portacollis. We have done so. Go inside, make not a ruckus, or it will be our heads on pikes, I'm sure. And with that, the guards leave your presence. Okay. So what, we just stay in the throne room and wait, I guess? No, oh, you're outside. Oh. There, there's Has walls. Has the city seemed peaceful so far? Does what seem peaceful? The city. Oh, absolutely. You'd, uh, you, you'd go even so far as to say that it is quite a booming township outside the walls of this keep. And past the keep, looking up and beyond, you can see the mountain range begins not much past the castle. But uh, as I said, you guys are in the courtyard. If you walk past the portacollis, you are in the the courtyard of the castle. I guess it's time to just go inside, because we got shit to do. (laughs) So you walk into the courtyard of the castle, uh, and... You, looking up behind you, you can see that the crossbowmen on the battlements are not trained on you, but they are looking at you. Um, Oh, boy. Something about your presence has put the entirety of the castle on guard. So the moment you walk through, the portacollis closes behind you, um, and you can see that there seems to be a pair of iron golems that man the mighty chains that hold the portacollis up or close it. And the moment that the portacollis is put back to the ground, the the iron golem sort of let go of the chains and just stand there as if waiting for another order to open or close the gate. Okay. Uh, You get maybe a couple of steps past the actual, like, gateway back into the sun of the courtyard. Again, noticing that the crossbowmen on the battlements are looking at you, but not trained on you. Like I said, their weapons aren't drawn. You get only a couple of steps, kind of really feeling the uneasiness of the keep. I mean, to the point where you can look left and see the training grounds where there are several veteran soldiers who, if you weren't here, would probably be like, you know, raise your arm stronger, put some hip into it, you know, yelling orders to neophyte soldiers, but have stopped. And even the initiates who are training against dummies or each other with blunted swords are kind of looking at you all as you walk into the courtyard. It's almost eerily quiet for how many people are around. It would also be important to note that you are staring down a rather diverse garrison. Um, anywhere from humans to halflings, gnomes, dragonborn, orcs, like all walks are obviously uh, accepted to attain rank here. But it's a moment later where the silence ends. And you feel it in your feet before you see 
a fire giant steps out from the side of the castle walls and steps before you before walking up the stairs in two broad steps and placing itself fully clad in black plate mail, places its tiny right in that large throne before the iron double doors that lead into the keep proper. He sort of rests his great sword and rests his hand on the hilt and leads on, leans on one of the armrests of the chair that he sits in that was clearly crafted just for him and sort of looks down at you and goes, what brings you miserable persons to the great keep that is of Detroit? Mail delivery. Just passing through, really, but we do have a letter for your queen. A letter for my queen, is that right? Well, I'm afraid you're a couple of almost a month shy of a year late on that mail. You see, you must not be quite keen on up-to-date things around these parts. The queen's been dead. I'm sorry. What? That's not good news. Pardon no, me. No, that's not right. He's, he gets up out of his chair and walks over to the party, leaving his great sword at the, sh- at the chair. Leans oh down and puts his face maybe five feet away from Tenchi. The booming echoes from his voice almost make... If you feel like if you were, t- as, if you were not as stern and strong of a man as you are, you would be knocked off your feet from the sheer wind that his bellows produce. I said, small one, the queen is dead, quite so. Um, can I do a perception check? You're trying to, re- to see if he seems like he's telling the truth? That would um, not be a perception check. That would be a um, insight. Um, insight. Insight? Yep. Yeah, I'm going to do the same thing. Sure, go for it. Because he's right in my face, and I'm not okay with it. Yeah. Got a nine. I got a five, so. Ah. feeling. So. Fourth would like to make a roll, too. Okay, go for it. I could probably shoot me, but I didn't want to be that player that everyone's jumping on the inside bandwagon, so. That would be a 22. <laughs> so while the group of you sort of just take this giant at his rather intimidating word, uh, Bork, you're able to hear through his rage that not just is this giant telling you the truth, this truth seems to hurt him. Like he was once very close to the queen. I mean, considering that he's obviously the the doorman, basically, of the castle, he was probably very close to the queen. So him telling you this news is not only very, very true, it seems to hurt him to say so. Well, Ogden's going to just kind of slowly turn his gaze to the rest of the party and say, oh... Borsh is going to be really sad to hear that. Name dropper, first of all. I just feel like just as sad as this 
this fire giant is I'm very sorry to hear that your queen is gone. I'm sure that must have been terrible to go through. At this point, the fire giant has already like stood back up to his full stature of probably 20 or so feet tall. He lets out a large breath and steps back up the stairs and puts his butt back in his chair, resting his hand again on the hilt of his sword. He's sort of one hand wiping or stroking his beard. He looks at you and says, Yes, it was a great pain that fell upon all of us. But it's been quite some time now. Some people have already forgotten, it seems. But you say you have message for her, then you can certainly talk to who sits on the throne now. I will open the door for you, but make myself very clear to you, small people. If I feel, even feel, on one hair of my arm, twitch with ill intent from the air that comes from this from the wind around this castle, I will squash you and use your blood to paint my beard. Question. He potentially just kind of like raises his finger into the air. Who does sit on the throne now? I'm sure you'll have the answer to that question quite soon, won't you? He rises from his chair once more, and clearly only him being able to do this grabs the large iron bars that have been pulled together and unbinds them and pulls open the great door to the keep. Hmm. Oh, the security mechanism. Yeah. Yeah, I figured that's what it was, but I wasn't sure if it was, you know, the queen was actually a giant, in which case... Borsh must have had a really, really big dick. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Uh, <laughs> you get you get all you get all levels of quality comedy here, folks. This is it's the giant dick jokes that you come here for, I'm sure. Not the storytelling, not the visceral combat. Giant dick jokes. Giant jokes. dick jokes. Alright. Mm-hmm. So, uh do you all move on in? Yep, hurry along, but with the giant time. Yeah, this guy does not have much patience. So you all find yourselves at the top of the stairs, past the large iron doors, and the moment you're inside, the door closes uh, by the hands of the giant. Inside, you see, to your right, is a large uh, lever device. By your best guess, it opens the door from the inside. But uh, before you is a relatively um, modest in size great hall. I mean, the dwarven kings and queens hall puts this place to shame in terms of sheer size. However, there is a couple of things of note. There is a, a a small door to the right... Past that, down on the right, is a much larger door of iron of uh, iron reinforced wood. Uh, to your left is another simple door, but down the hall and up a small uh, staircase is a throne. And sitting above that throne is the skull of a ancient worm of some color. Anyone who wants to do a nature check could take a guess. 
not. I'm going to go for it. Sure, why not? 12 total. <laughs> uh, I'm not proficient in nature, but I rolled a nat 20. All right. I got an 18. An 8. A 19. Okay. So you two, who got above 12, um, would recognize it as the skull of a great worm of green variety. So a, a green dragon that achieved the age of ancient, of ancient, I believe, actually, is what it's called. And uh, Tenji, you can tell that it's a giant dragon skull, probably one of the biggest you've ever seen. But uh, no, that's fair. It's just that that's a big skull. Yep. And it seems to be on some sort of large black oak trophy pl- um, plaque. And and it sits above the throne. You it said? sits above the throne. And in the middle of the ceiling above the throne room, there is a huge hole in the stone that looks like something once rested there. And below all that, on a relatively lonely throne, a single throne, mind you, not a pair like you might expect, is a pale-skinned orc leaning on his great sword that he, until you walked in, you could only guess was grinding or sharpening or oiling or maintaining after some fashion. But he sits not in regal attire like you might have expected, but actually armor, almost as if this person seemed to be ready for war. That's a bad sign. Mm-hmm. This uh, poor guy does not look familiar to us, right? No, not at all. But as I said, he's pale, like he's white-skinned, like like snow. Which is a rare sight for orcs. Yes. And you said he was a full orc? Yes, full orc. Okay. Uh, greetings. We were told that we should talk to the person who currently sits on the throne. He stands up and sort of resting his great sword upon his spaldered shoulders begins to step down the stairs. And in only the kind of tone that you've heard in royalty, he says, Oh, is that true? Then what makes you think you can track mud into my halls? Who is it that thinks that they are so brave, so important, that they can cloak themselves in some sort of energy that looks like the great gem that once hung from my hall, the hall that once housed my mother. Those that seek to protect the crystals and restore them? Speak your names. Orc. Ogden. Vin. And I'm Tenchi. And as he sort of steps... Yield out from his pocket. (laughs) Right. I'm not a guy. Well, I'm, I'm also here, uh, and the, the, the orc man sort of points his greatsword uh, down and almost seems to walk with it like a cane, like some sort of weird badass, and, and, and puts his... <laughs> that hurts me. <laughs> yeah, me too. He puts his offhand well, to... Well, that's why you have to sharpen it so damn much. Right. <laughs> he... Well, you can tell that he doesn't do this often because he's leaning on it with such force or maybe just applying such force to the ground that you can see the sword digs into the tile 
that makes up the hall as he walks forward. And only the court of the sort of gravitas or gravitas that an orc man can pull off uh, sort of slaps his chest strongly and says, I am Torkus, last name and clan name, Borsh. You stand in my halls, you tell me your names, you say you serve or protect the crystals. I have met your kind before, and the only thing that follows you is death. Well, that's hardly our choice. Not entirely wrong, but we have a letter from who I assume is your father to your mother. He raises his greatsword and points at the party. As he does this, you see uh, sort of ice build up along the blade, sort of like where, you know how like snowflakes form? They always form in like perfect angles. Yeah, like sort of angular tethers of ice sort of billow from the blade of the sword. His breath is is like speaking after drinking hot tea in a winter's morning. Like just plumes of white smoke from his mouth. And even though the lights don't dim, the room gets colder. And behind him, a visage of wings form. Mm. And he says... Do not speak of my clan name or that you know my father without proof, or it will be the last thing you claim. And with that, all those effects seem to subside. Then read the letter. At this point, he's merely 20 feet in front of you. He has taken quite a step across this room. And he holds out a single white palm to receive the letter from you. I put it in his palm. Uh, turning to the side from you, he sort of throws his sword into the into the ground, and it sticks into the stone. And he sort of looking at you. Player for trial there. Right. Oh, you know, the help has to have something to do. Uh, Of course. (laughs) And he opens the letter, and with breaking the seal, the wax seal on the letter for the first time. Um, it has been opened, since none of you guys have opened it, a sort of plume of magic sort of gouts to the side. Oh, damn it, it was an exploding ruin. No! Uh, And he he takes from it a letter and sort of drops the envelope to the ground and looks at it. Sort of all of the seriousness that was in this orc's stature his, the way he held himself, the threatening gaze he gave you, the harsh words he said, all of that just leaves him. Like the wind was taken completely out of his sails. And he sort of, not to destroy it, but like sort of clutches the letter and looks to you all. And although you you may have never seen an orc cry, you know what it looks like when a man is about to cry. And he has that sort of expression in his face as he says, I ask that you leave my presence. Come back to me soon. Go through the large doors to my left. I will entertain you soon. And with that, he turns and walks away. Ogden does not waste any time and goes through the large doors to the left. Yep. That's a little wide-eyed going, okay. 
this is interesting. Hope we didn't get in the middle of like family. What family I think Forge knew. I think Forge knew that his wife was dead and this was just a ruse to get us to deliver the message to his son. Uh, Only what I assumed to be his son. I find it interesting, though, that with all the traveling we've done, this is the first we've heard of it. If we didn't ask. It's fair. It's never come up before. Yeah, we've, we've never had any sort of interest in Detroit or anywhere near it before. That's not true. I've always wanted to come here just to see the spectacle of it. Well, I think what but he's saying is that you guys have never asked about the way things have gone in Detroit. Correct. We've never sought bring us news from Detroit. So do you guys go through the double doors as instructed? Yes. Yeah, that's what I'm going to uh, eat into quests because um, this is clearly a very emotional time for him. Yeah. And I don't want that... That uh, fire giant to come in and smack you with a bracelet. So. <laughs> not in the habit of pissing off royalty. That either. It's a good well, call. Because uh, one on one, those get that garrison outside is fucking nothing to you guys, but fifty crossbowmen all deciding to shoot you at the same time is a rough deal. Challenge accepted. Yeah. Well, I'd like to leave here not being a big cushion, but Tenchi, you do you, buddy. Right. Catch all the arrows at once. I just have a bundle of bolts. You are way overestimating your capability. Alright, so you go through the double doors and you are immediately greeted by the sight of a library. A grand library, even. Uh, inside is many, many shelves of many tomes of musty and, and ancient qualities by the look of it. And, uh, just the way I like them. Yep. Uh, there, there's, this, there's, there's like top five adjectives that you use for every noun and and in our subculture of nerd uh like musty is only really on any of the lists except is on none of the lists except for like books you hear that and you're like "Ooh, there's ancient secrets in them books like i want to see you like smell it you're like oh this is ancient yeah. magic fuck yes um, the episode of Futurama where there's like those information aliens with like the big, the indulging neck. It's like, I smell information. Where is it? That's, that's Vim right now. It's like, I smell ancient magic. I want him. Anyway, uh, not long after you sort of take in the breath of this room, um, and you see that there's an active like hearth fire in this library with us with a slew of like maybe a uh, half dozen or so very comfortable looking chairs around that fire. You hear the clicking and clacking of bone. Uh, and a moment later, probably just as your eyes turn to the sound of the noise, you see a very simple skeleton robed in a sort of purple or uh, dark purple um, robe sort of approach you. And he sort of waves his boned hand towards you as, Hello, I'm Michael, the librarian of Detroit. Is that is that still what they call this kingdom? Is it still Detroit? Ogden's instinctively going to clutch at his holy symbol, but he's not going to make any sort of other menacing actions. Huh? It is uh, a thing to call this. Yeah. Well, you left the draft I in. You don't get that much. No. I, mm, no. 
I can't leave the library. I'm a librarian. He sort of walks past that group of you. And he closes the door and he says, You have to close the doors behind you. You look the, wat the water in. You know that's the easiest way to ruin a good book. I don't know. I can tell by the look of you. You don't know. <sighs> I'm lucky I can read. Let's just put it that way. Well, I'm unfortunately unlucky that you can speak so much. What is it that I can do for you in these halls? Uh, what, what, what are we doing here? We're just waiting, right? Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. we're just waiting. Uh, right. Yeah, waiting for the. Uh, I guess the king to come and address us. He told us to wait here. Uh, meanwhile, might I uh, take one of these books and start perusing? The skeleton sort of looks at you and squints the only way that a skeleton can by not being able to squint. Um, and just says, yes, of course, this is what a library is for. Find a book, sit by the fire, warm your bodies, and put your holy symbol down. It won't do you any good. Oh, my apologies. The drops the symbol from his hand. Uh, I'm going to ask for a four of the library. Who can possibly pick one book out of so many without knowing anything? Well, I suppose that's very easy for me. There's only about four tomes that I still read. You know, I've read all of these books at least uh, ten times. But I can show you a couple of my favorites, although I don't know that you would take too much from necromancy tomes. But yes, Four's over this way. To that, to that, Michael sort of turns to Bork and says, "Well, you seem quite uninterested by the Majesty before you. Please take your simple self by the fire. I can get a stew going if you desire." That's good. Sorry, how does it feel? One more time. Stew sounds good. Mike sort of nods and sort of snaps a bone pair of fingers, and you can, looking towards the fire that uh, looks very welcoming, mind you, very, very, just very pleasant. Uh, a couple of ingredients of dried foods sort of fly very sword in the stone, uh, Merlin-like, <laughs> bounce to an, uh, an unheard rhythm and sort of either throw themselves, cut themselves up and throw themselves, or pour themselves into a uh, sizable kettle pot. Um, so, how people would like to make a religion check to see if this is a lich of knowledge? Okay, go for it. With my plus five, that's a 17. Um, or just a lich in general. Sure, yeah, yeah. I'm, trying to, I'm trying to think of how I want to answer that question. Um, you have never known a more magical skeleton that was not a lich. So, odds oh, are pretty good then. Well, he's he not also isn't immediately trying to melt their faces. Right. So, okay. Yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah, he, he, he is, is absolutely right. My holy symbol would do nothing here against him. Yeah. Well, he's not a lich. Uh-oh. That's what I'm saying. He's just a really magical skeleton. Well, no. <laughs> I, I'm trying to not, like, tell you, but, like... It's some flavor of some undead that's very magical. 
He's not, a, yeah. Let's not, not just a simple skeleton. Right. He's something. Very obscure. Uh, He's a skeleton. He is a skeleton. Shout out to Fantasy Fiction. Fantasy Fiction. Uh, by the way, if you are a listener to this and I have not told you about Fantasy Fiction before, Fantasy Fiction is a podcast. Uh, look it up. It's very, very amusing. Anyway, uh, hashtag definitely not an ad. I know those guys won't pay me because the podcast is dead. Rip. <laughs> anyway, so uh, Michael has a stew going for Bork. I assume Bork finds himself comfortable by the fire. Um, he begins to show Vin a couple of uh, basically the slew of shelves that are dedicated to magical tomes. Mm-hmm. And he says, I believe I'm required that if you find a spell in any of these tomes, I can scribe it down for you. But I've been told recently by the new Regency King, whoever his name is, um, he doesn't come here much, as you could imagine. He spends all his days sharpening a stupid sword. I'll tell you, there's some weird person who says that the pen is mightier. They're wrong, but spells are pretty good. So, okay, but I would, uh... I'm to limit I'll... you to two scrolls, so please choose carefully. Okay. So, I get a scroll or two? So, what I want you to do is I want you mm-hmm. to check your player's handbook, and you can find any spell, up to fifth level spells, and you can select two of them as a scroll. I have the I have the the game master right to say that that spell is too powerful, and I have the mm-hmm. game I have the game master right to say that the the, the components for that spell are too expensive. So as long okay. as you're reasonable, so right, yeah, it's not on the table. Yeah. Okay, makes sense. So within reason, you can find up to two spells, uh, and I will demand that you show me Arcana or Religion checks. Uh, to be able to decipher the tomes from being just gibberish to actually being spells. Uh, Arcana for arcane spells and religion for divine spells, respectively. Um, yeah, sure, I'll go ahead and make a religion check. Sure, and Frodo? Um, is the steel ready at this point? It's getting there. Okay. Um... I just like whip the stew and then probably go and get lost in the library because what else is there to do in a library? Like he'll he'll read the spines of the book if they have like titles on the spines and maybe he'll like open one up see if he finds anything interesting or that he finds you know worth reading. Um. So yeah. Okay. So you guys, uh, you know, dig in to this library, and um, I won't make you find those spells that you want now. We can talk about it at, at like, the end of, or, like, after session stuff. Okay. I already got that. I'm sorry, do you two already know what you want? I have some ideas, but I'm not sure yet. Okay. I rolled a 14 on my religion, so does that limit me to fourth level and under spells? Yes. Okay, in that case, I'd like to get locate creature. Uh, sure. Let me take a peek. Um, by the way, 
if Tenshi sits down for the stew, or already is for sure, the stew is uh, sort of like a tomato-based broth um, that's clearly like a chicken stock. It's a little spicy, just a little bit, just to put some pepper into your, your nostrils to clear them out. And it has uh, plenty of rice in it, so it's uh, it's quite the medley, uh, or dare say a jambalaya almost. Ooh. And you wonder why it's spicy until Mike Michael walks past you all and says, uh, how do you find the stew? Well, it's got a nice little kick to it, cleared by sentences. To your surprise, he sticks he sticks his tongue out, in which there's only a small little bit left of his tongue. He says, "Well, I have to put a lot of spice in stew, otherwise I can't taste it." You know, um, if I can't taste the food, then what's the point of eating it? To eat it, I would assume. But I don't require sustenance; it's just pleasant. By the way, you can certainly have a scroll of locate the creature. Locate creature? Okay, great. I've written it down. All right. And... Uh, Michael, can you tell us what happened to the previous royalty? We've not gotten a straight answer since we got here. We didn't even know she was deceased he, until about 20 minutes ago. He sort of walks over to you and puts a skeletal hand upon your shoulder and says, Well, young sir... Uh, the tale of the fallen queen is a bit of a touchy and sad story. I'm sure that's why the current king has asked you to leave his presence for the time. The queen was quite of a low birth, and yet, despite that, uh, the hero, a former king, uh, Borsch, uh, well, after retiring from adventuring and retiring from his kinglyhood as well, he, well, if I just speak frankly, um, <coughs> he put a baby in her and then went off to one last adventure, so he said. And she ruled in his stead when he wasn't around, which was often, mind you. He, he didn't give up adventuring after he saved the crystals. He went on many ventures afterwards and was successful, and I would think most of them. I have them written down somewhere. He would always come back to the library, you see, and tell me of his stories, and I would write them down. I would use nicer language, understand, but they are somewhere in here. I would love to see those stories. Well, with the king's permission, I would gladly share them. Fair enough. But, uh, Borsch... I understand, retired to northern Yalzar Majora, where he can know some quiet. Being a king can be hard on the brow, I believe. But the queen was given an unearthly longevity from her exposure to the crystal. You see, the crystal of Earth once nestled within the ceiling of the throne room, and I believe, this is just speculation, but I believe the magic of the crystal gave her unnaturally long life. Unfortunately, with it being shattered and all, her longevity expired. Well, I see, so her life was tied to the crystal. 
interesting think it could be possible that if the crystal was restored, so would she? Unfortunately, no. As proper dictation and ritual, her body was put to pyre so that her soul may be forever lasting. <clears throat> At this, Ogden's uh, kind of stroking his beard and just thinking. I know what you're thinking, Ogden, but I think in this case the dead should stay dead. Absolutely agreed, but if it were an unnatural death, I don't know. No, it was nothing unnatural. I saw to her her death rites, and, well, I'm no grand magician or grand lich what once owned this castle many years ago before uh, Borsch and his hero friends took it over. But, uh, I, I am I am no grand wizard, but I am not poor when it comes to the magics. I could tell you that she expired of natural causes. Well, specifically being over a hundred years old and also being of the dragonborn blood does not it's tis not natural to live past that point for any dragonborn. Okay, so Forgive my ignorance, but something's not quite adding up. She was Dragonborn. And I believe the late King Borsch was half-orc, if I'm not mistaken? Yes. And their son, I assume, who was the current regent, is Bullock. So it seems. Huh. Fantastic. Oh, while I was not present for the copulation, I can certainly tell you, I, well, I put some fresh hands on, but I did deliver the child. All right, makes sense. I know. <laughs> but, you know, he didn't have that dragon in him. Saw that. Oh, yes, when, when the current... King gets flustered. You can see his dragon blood flare right up. Yep. That absolutely makes sense. He did not take kindly to us to begin with. That's for certain. Well, as I understand, you all came in talking of his mother. I don't think he's quite past it yet. Yeah. In our defense, we had no idea what had transpired. We were yeah. given a letter and told to deliver to the queen. Not knowing that the queen is dead. Well, tis a shame indeed. She ruled with a strong but gentle hand, and while I would not say he hasn't, it seems that it has been a lot of a burden to suddenly fall on who was once a warrior prince. I mean, the the, the current king, when not full kinghood, had yet fallen upon him. I never leave this library, you see. It brings upon me a most horrible death. But uh, I understand he used to go with hunting parties every time one went out. He seemed to thrill in the killing. And one time there was a small war skirmish upon our borders. And even though Detroit was not a part of that war, he gladly took a contingency of warriors to assist. Now, uh, well, forgive me, I not get into history. But I love it so. History is so delightful. 
as they say, those that don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it. Yes. How far back do the records go for this library? Well, I've been the librarian of this place for nearly 500 years. But they go back a thousand years. Uh, no, there was not really many books in this place when I was alive. What is the oldest record you have pertaining to any conflict involving the crystals? Well, well, I suppose... Here, just a moment, young sir. He sort of trots off down one of the alleyways of books and comes back with a relatively new-looking book. And upon one of the several tables that are available in the library, he opens the grand tome. I mean, the the book spine is as big as my forearm. Uh, he sort of lays it upon and stretches it open and sort of flips through a couple dozen pages and says, I don't mean to boast, young sirs, but I, uh, I recently rebound this book. I'm quite proud of the work I've done. Uh, <coughs> with the whole crystal business being so popular to talk about these days, I figured, well, you know, we might have some fancy dignitaries from that elven kingdom up north. They love their books, you know. Uh, yes, I've heard yeah. If you can get into oh, the yeah. library, I hear it's one of the few that can outmatch the one you stand in. Although, if I'm honest with you, I think we have a couple books they don't. But don't tell them, it would drive them wild. <laughs> and he goes, uh, ah, here. And he sort of begins to read a script uh, that is in um, Draconic. Can it uh, in common, please? He reads it out in common, but it's written in Draconic. Okay. So anyone who could read Draconic can sort of read over his shoulder. Okay. Um, I don't know Draconic. Does anybody? Nor I. I don't think any of us speak Draconic. Cool. Nope. So in a script <laughs> that none of, you, none yeah, of us speak. The, so, so in the script which none of you can understand, uh, he sort of seems to follow along with a boned finger. Tis I, the great being known as Chaos, what will come and plunder and pillage what you call your realm. I will take from you the four pillars that hold your land up on high and take them to sunder, drain them of their power, or otherwise render them inert, and you will know me as God. Any man who has to call himself God has never seen such. He, at this point, Michael, sort of smiling as a, only the way a skeleton can, by not, uh, points you and goes, that's what I said. But this is the prophecy. I think it's very interesting. Uh, continues on. Every thousand mark I will test you. Every thousand mark I will pull and pry and turn the wheel another round and test the greatest that you can bring to my feet. And I will stamp them into the ground. And when I do, your world will know darkness for a thousand mark more. He goes, it sounds pretty bad, but as far as I can tell, he's never succeeded. Well, then we have a reputation to live up to, don't we? Yeah. We don't want to bring someone to screw it up. <laughs> we'll make it with us. 
And Mike Every sort of, thousand years, this happens over and over again. He sort of like wags wags his bony finger, almost just like sort of gesticulation by accident. Says, "Exactly. Well, what's fascinating is that this happened eighty so seventy five years ago. Well, sorry, excuse me, exactly seventy eight years ago, seven months, weeks, etc. Uh, this happened." When chaos was challenged by my former master, Borsch and his his friends, the human, the other one, the short one, whatever, uh, they challenged chaos as he attempted to corrupt the crystals. It is interesting to me that he or someone has tried again so soon. I agree that. Quite unusual. Sounds like a copycat, if you ask me. Mm. Well, he sort of checks over his shoulder as if he is expecting an eavesdropper in this place. He sort of, like, grabs a fist, uh, like a pinch full of pages, and, like, flops it over. And goes, well, witness this part. Uh, And he sort of reads it to himself and says, after a fashion, what all that means... And he said it to himself in Draconic, so it fucking made no sense to you all. There is a spell that one can use to commune with chaos. And should you do so, you can become an avatar of him. It, whatever. And should you do so, I imagine that if you were the only person to pray to this kind of being... You'd be quite powerful. So I've heard tale of this Sunderer fellow, and I believe that that's what we are dealing with. Some sort of individual who has fancied themselves the avatar of chaos. It's all very fascinating, isn't it? You'd love to tell this sort of thing around a campfire to a bunch of children. Unfortunately, it is very real. He was uh, a very real person. Is there, does it say anything about um, how you might weaken that bond between the Avatar and the uh, entity of chaos? Oh, well, of course. I, I, like I said, I just recently rebound this book. It has every uh, crystal incident that has occurred in the past 500-ish years. He sort of flips a few pages forward. At this, um, can I say that we take a quick five? Sure. All right, be right back. And all right, so we're back from our little break. Everyone's reloaded their beverages and gotten snacks by the look of things. So uh, the stew was lovely. Michael, the Skeleton, was, I believe, enlightening you all to how to weaken an avatar of the Chaos God. Mm-hmm. Is that right? So yes, he, he flipped to a, a few pages down and sort of, again, sort of reads it to himself in Draconic and then sort of translates it to you all and uh, says, well, complicated magics aside, the simple method is if you hit the, the, the manifestations of the Avatar enough, it'll go away. But... Every time you do it, it gets stronger or and or weaker in different ways. 
it learns, but it hmm. loses its pa loses power. So, the the proper sort of ritual is to. Well, I suppose you all are already on this quest. Otherwise, I don't know why you'd be here. Is to establish a link to all of the four crystals, and the crystals will open a portal to Chaos's realm. And there, you will fight Chaos. And I imagine that since Chaos took all of the power that it needed to, to have a form only a mere less than 100 years ago, it's, it's, it, the form you find it would be relatively frail. You see, a lot of magic goes into deities maintaining a physical form. Interesting. Okay. But I'm sure that to mere mortals such as yourselves, or at least you look to be mortal, even existing in Chaos's realm could be deadly. So how do we exist there without dying? Oh, I don't know. I've never been there. Sorry. No, it's fine. Do you know how we might get there? To Chaos's realm? Well, as I said, establishing a link with all four of the crystals. Okay. Is Well... The Earth Crystal used to dwell here. I assume this isn't the first crystal you've come to. Is that right? Otherwise, you've got a long road ahead of you. No, we're... Uh, no. Uh, we're good friends with the Earth Crystal. Well, uh, mm -hmm. how many more crystals do you need to link with? Just one. Oh! Well, I'm sure that either we'll know a proper cataclysm soon, or you all will whisk it under the rug soon. Uh, thanks for the vote of confidence. Hey, I've lived, like I said, for almost half a millennia. I, as long as they don't tear down this library in the cataclysm, I could give a care. <laughs> That's the spirit. Well, I can't leave the library, you see. Hmm. Well, this is uh, good information. Do you have any, any other books on um, surviving in other realms? or? Well, that depends entirely upon the realm. You see fey wilds sprinkling gem dust or gold around your feet makes the illusions that you walk on a little more tangible. Uh, going to the dead realms, uh, covering yourself in bone dust makes you invisible to a lot of the inhabitants. Uh, going to the city of brass, you can always paint yourself red, uh, makes you look like a demon to simple demons, um, or at least having a lot of coin will let you avoid being shaked down in the city of brass. But uh, I suppose I don't know much about Chaos's realm, just that it exists. Okay. And, with, and with that, an audible series of bangs hammer upon the door that you entered from and Michael looks at you and goes and says I believe that's the door probably for you all no one knocks when they're just going to come inside then uh, I suppose we shall take all day thank you Michael 
thank you for your uh, information. And the stew. <coughs> oh, of course, the stew anytime. Like I said, the scrolls two per person. And, uh, well, if you ever want to just peruse, you're more than welcome. This library lives to serve. But it serves to live, apparently. Well, it keeps me going, that's for sure. I, I assume you all make your way to the door. Alright. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, that's why I keep royalty waiting. Good call. You all go back into the main hall. You, Michael has followed you and closes the door behind you and stays in the library. Uh, you all go into the main hall and Tor Torcus is sitting on the throne. Um, you can see that the, the, the stone and tile of the hall's floor has been melt mended away from his little tirade. But uh, he beckons you forward as he still sort of seems to have the letter crumpled in his in his fist. He has unadorned his armor by all. Close the door behind us. Oh, Michael, close the door. Just double check. That's all. Sure. Um, he has also unadorned his armor. He's sort of in more regular clothes. Regal and very fancy, but clothes. Well, he's beckoning us forward, so I'm just going to go ahead and walk forward. Yep, walk forward. Yep. He sort of holds the letter up, still clenching his fist, and goes, Tell me where my father resides. Why? I wish to see him. Uh, pretty sure you can just call him. He'll come right here. That was his instructions to us. That should the queen ever need him, all she would have to do is beckon him to come home. I see no reason why you can't do the same. You suggest I just simply yell to the ether. My king, you live in a world full of magic, dragons, powerful crystals, and as we discovered, a force made entirely out of chaos. Stranger things have and always will happen. Well, should I desire to embarrass myself amongst my own halls, I will do it in private. Anyway, I did not come here to yell at you any longer, and if I could be so bold, I apologize for my actions before. The wound of my mother's death still bleeds in my heart, you see. She's uh, spoken out highly. My condolences. Well, and to any of you who know the same loss. So, why is it, other than to give me this letter, that you've come to these halls? Is there anything... I suppose that I could do for you. There are as many that I know well. There are as many favors I could pull, and I would be not at all fearful to tear a bridge down, even set it on fire, for what you've given me. Well, as has already been surmised, we break of the crystal's influence. We are seeking to rescue and restore 
the crystals. And we have but one spirit left to find. It is the spirit of the crystal, the wind spirit, who is a uh, part of oh, what is part of the well, wind crystal. We believe she's somewhere in the north, but she or he, we do not entirely know exactly where. Can you give us any sort of information uh, that might help lead us to their location? Yes, one moment. He sort of reaches underneath one of the armrests of the throne and raises up a black metal bell. And even though you see him ring it, it makes no sound. And yet, as he rests it back, a plume of black smoke appears from behind his throne, and out from it steps a man dressed in the most darkest tones of finery. You can see that almost as if this person took some sort of lava and gelled back his horns. A tiefling, no doubt, or worse. Leans across the, the king's front and puts his ear to the king's uh, ear, or puts his ear to the king's mouth and listens and smiles, nods, and his smile grows wider. And then he nods again, takes a step back and whispers secretly into the king's ear. This whole transaction takes merely 30 seconds. And with that, this sort of person steps back in the shadow, cast by the throne, and another plume of black smoke, and it disappears. And uh, Tor Torcus looks back to him and goes, well, not to play myself as a god king or anything like it, but my master of shadows and spies and lies has a bit of a knack for flair. You must forgive him. I asked him, about what, well, frankly, I put to question what you just put to me. And he said, well, allow me to take his embellishments and sweet lies out of it. Or, well, not lies, he would not lie to me. But I will take his sweet words out and give you simple facts. If you're dealing with a being who guides the air, you should know about a floating island that hangs in the sky above Yalzar Minor. I imagine that would be your destination. Hmm. Certainly sounds interesting. Yeah, sounds promising. Is the floating city new? Apparently. Sort of seems to struggle with the next phrase. Sort of bites his tongue to get it out. Its appearance seems to quite obviously coincide with the passing of my mother right after the crystals mm. were shattered. This is clearly a difficult subject for you. Only the timing, not the island itself. But I imagine that your quest will take you there. My spy master has also told me that the inhabitants of that island are Arakoa, people of feather and flight. Oh, God. Uh, are they hostile? 
They do not seem to be. They have welcomed anyone who can visit this city. Can't imagine they get a whole lot of visitors, then. No, neither could I. Well, it would appear that that is our next destination, and that is mm-hmm. the information that we were seeking. So, thank you. My spy master has also told me of something that perked my interest, although it's completely unrelated to a floating island. Mm-hmm. A woman who hides her true imagery, was apprehended by a couple of my guards not too long ago. <sighs> it seems that she fancied herself a dragon, even though she stood only two feet on the ground. Is she a friend you, of yours? I'm sorry. You're the youth. Go ahead. Is she a friend of yours? Did she claim that her name was Prim? Indeed. Yeah. yeah. We know her. She's with us. Then her head Jeez. will be spared the headsman's block, and she will meet you in the courtyard. Thank you. You are much too kind. Please. Please. If what you tell me is true, and I could summon my father by merely yelling his name into the echoes of my hall then you have given me a gift that no information can meet in glory. And I thank you for it. But if I may be so honest, I would have you leave my hall as soon as possible and allow me to dwell on what I've learned today. As you wish, Mikey. It will be done. And should you ever find yourself back able to see the mountains that I sit at the foot of in your future days. Know that you are welcome to sit in my hall, but not today. Understood. Okay. It sounds like we had better take our leave. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I sort of nods a little to you all. Okay. The party, I assume, turns about and makes your way out. Yep. Back to the giant door. Okay. The door opens as you approach. Ogden's going to prep sending and (laughs) cast it to send to Borscht tomorrow and say, hey, hey, your son wants to see you. You should go home. All right. (laughs) Just in case, yelling into the halls like an idiot does it. (laughs) Just in case. That is all. Okay. So, you all, like I said, the doors open before you, and the fire giant sort of seems to have a much humbler uh, look to you all as he sort of has his fist to his heart in a salute and a bowed head with closed eyes as you pass him. And standing in the middle of the courtyard, all puffed up and rather bothered, is Prim, in her human form still. And uh, as you approach, she sort of looks at you and goes, Well, I can tell you that the kindness of these people are lost on me. They are a little defensive, yes. Did you do something? No. No, I did not. I th- uh, so what did you not do to get you in right. the 
I did not. We can talk about this later. We should leave now. Uh, okay. Very well. She um, immediately transforms into her proper dragon form and lowers. Oh God! Not here! Not here! There's plenty of space. Let's face more. Oh God! There's a dragon in the. This is going to go fantastically. Let's see how this plays out. Yeah, she does that. The dra- the the giant sort of looks up in awe and sort of like, you know how like you without looking sort of like throw your arm behind you trying to find something. He's like trying to find his sword, and like just he doesn't like raise it or anything. He just like once he finds it, he puts his hand on it and just looks at the dragon. To which all of the crossbowmen on the on the, the garrison like hold their crossbows. They don't point it, but they all hold them like, uh, what's the protocol for this? Do the ballistas start turning into the keep? No, 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 no. Like I said, the, the, no, 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 no hostile action comes towards you all, but everyone's like, oh wow, there's a dragon now, just out of nowhere. There's a dragon. She wasn't kidding. <laughs> so she wasn't lying. So she was telling the truth. Ogden's going to start climbing up under her back and yeah. saying, Farewell, people of Detroit. Okay, <laughs> now we need to leave. Peace out. <laughs> yep. And yep. as you all get this up there, the Prim puts up the Liam's tiny hut and takes off. Okay, Armin's now that we're away. in his long rest so he can then prep sending and uh, contact Borsh. Okay. <laughs> right. Now that we're away from the frying years of the guard, what did you not do to not get arrested? She looks back to you and says, I not didn't defend my honor as a woman. And when some curt guard came up to talk to me like some sort of bar floozy, I did not not defend myself from his advances. And I did not not roast him when he put his hands upon me. Ugh. Well, I can get off pretty easily if that's the situation. Yeah, but it's usually frowned upon when you melt people. Well, he didn't die, I just burned his hair off. Still. And his gun. I'm not saying what he did was right. I'm saying that you caused a panic. She sort of just like, hmm, and ignores the rest of your inquiry on the matter. <sighs> Men, am I right? Is this what it was like dealing with me? No. Yes. <laughs> so I'm so sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So, we're good now, Prim. She asks you where to. We are going to... <clears throat> Hold on, I wrote it down. I want to make sure I say it right. The skies above Yalzar Minor should have a floating island. That would appear to be our next destination. Well, I imagine that'll be quite easy to find. Yeah, it should be. So, same deal. Wait, we found that. Uh, casting greater restoration on her to keep her from being exhausted. Okay. Um, Alright, so... She begins to fly north. Um, a day, two days, three days pass, and you guys have not yet gotten to the uh, 
the the iron oak, the iron bark forests of northern uh, what's it, Betwinciarda? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we're just over the ocean right now. I guess. No, no, no. You're not. You haven't left Betwinciarda. Oh, okay. Um, and you have cast sending and sent that message to Borsh. Does he respond at all? Uh, He's allowed up to 25 words. <laughs> so, several days into travel uh, north, and just sort of breaking the calm passage of time, I assume you've, you've uh, put on a new... You've, you've sort of attuned sending and then unattuned sending. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. I, I only need to... I'll prepare it when I know I'm going to need it. Right. A, a sort of black mass smacks Prim across the side of her head, and she immediately starts spiraling down towards the ground. Whoa! Okay! Whoa. I don't know if I knocked her out, but I'm bringing her back. <laughs> you all have... Anyone else want anything? Very little time before you hit the ground. Yep, yeah, cure wounds, lesser restoration. I'm basically throwing everything at her to get her conscious again. Okay, those two spells are your two actions. Everyone else has two actions. Uh, is Featherfall an active endeavor for me? I wonder. Come on. There you go. Your slow fall ability just negates an amount it's, of it's falling. A, yeah, it negates damage, so I haven't I haven't uh, received any damage from falling yet. Correct. So, uh, I got nothing else I can do right now. I can't cast levitate or anything. So, uh, well, I'm gonna cast levitate. On who? Well, uh, the max is 500 pounds. You can't target Prim with that. Yourself. What? I said you can't target Prim with that. False. Okay. Um, you can save yourself at least. I know that sounds a little selfish, but... Well, you know, it's unfortunate. If she casts Levitate on herself, and then is dragged down by Leoman's tiny hut, yeah. it doesn't really help. <laughs> I believe we can leave the hut, right? I, I think when you cast a spell, you can designate people that are able to go in and out of the hut without any sort of impediment. Well, that's correct, but she. But the point of the spell is to keep you on her back so you never fall off. Uh, so we're not allowed so out here. Throttling down. Oh, right. Yeah. So you guys have been elected specifically to not be able to exit the hut is, is the purpose of the spell. The best we'd be able to do is dispel magic on the hut. Yeah, but you only have two actions worth of time, effectively. Yeah, I can't do anything until I take damage. All right, so let's just say that's all you guys do. So, so well, I have Dimension Door. Mm -hmm. 
How high up are we? Uh, let's say 500 feet. Well, no. Um, let's say 100 or so feet up. Okay, well, uh... You can bring along one willing creature of your size or smaller. Um... So play, to play favorite here. No, you, you literally can't. You are a small sized creature because you're what a halfling. You can bring along um one willing creature of your size or smaller. Oh, and you are the smallest creature one. in the party. Am I? Does a halfling count as a small sized creature? Yep. Yes, it does. So you can say your options are yourself or nobody. Uh, sorry guys. Bye. Well, fuck. <laughs> All right, so are you going to cast Dimension Door and target yourself to the ground? Yeah. Okay, I want everyone else that is not Vin to mute their to mute their microphones and to silence their headpieces so you can't hear what happens. Uh, okay. I knew. Just a minute. I knew shit was going to happen when I did that. But that was just me. That wasn't my character. That uh, yeah. All right. So. So once, why would you take yourself? Uh, okay. Volume is off. Cannot hear you. And. Okay. So with all the party not okay. able to hear, you mm-hmm. cast Dimension Door, and I've always imagined Dimension Door kind of like a portal opens and you just like dash through it real quick, um, and it closes immediately behind you. You walk through, and are immediately flying. Through a hellscape. I'm talking like eyes growing from the ground, staring at you for the brief moment you're there and popping in mm-hmm. pus. The, the the bushes are are balls of mouths all gnawing at the air and clutching at flesh colored birds. Like it's fucking bedlam uh, around you, and you're there for just a moment, long enough to put this place to horrid memory, and then you're fine. Okay. And uh, they can come back now. Let's see how long it takes them. Are we good? Yeah, you're good. Yeah, you're good. I don't think Bro paying attention. That's fine. You all teleport. So, so Lauren, uh, Vin teleports to the ground, and you see Prim nose diving before you. And the, through the curative magics cast by Ogden, Prim sort of shakes off her unconsciousness and sort of rights herself. And instead of just like dive bombing into the dirt, she's able to sort of roughly land. And although she fumbles onto her side and you guys are flung off of her back and onto the ground and only take one, one measure of fall damage, which for Frodo is zero... But for yeah, the rest, yeah, yeah. for the rest of the party, is three damage. Um, and uh, that black mass sort of comes back around and forms between the three of you, the the barely conscious and wounded Prim laying on her side, and Vin on the other side, maybe fifty feet away. And that black mass settles and raises a an iron. Warhammer above its head and forms the Sunderer. Okay. Uh, 
Roll for initiatives. Yeah! Oh, man, I was waiting for that. Come on, baby. Ah, got a great initiative for once. Oh. I got a 96. Yeah. Uh, so that totals out to... Alright, not bad. Alright, Vin, what's your initiative? Four. Bork, what's your initiative? <laughs> Four. Six. Six. Tenchi, what's your initiative? Twenty-three. And Ogden. Twenty. Holy crap. Get right. I'm holding that twenty for my initiative. That's like the first time ever. Oh my god, the cleric's gonna get to act before shit hits the fan. Yeah, but Tenchi's gonna go scream it off before I can, you know, smack him with a bomb. So, shit. <laughs> well, like I said, the, the, the span of the battlefield is 50 feet from Vin to the party. So, uh, the Sunder is like 20 fight, 20, 20 fight, 25 feet away from either of the, the groups of the party. Funny, he's standing over Frim. No, 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 You guys are standing, like, okay, hold on. Let me just draw a, a very simple battle map. This is the battle map, basically. Okay. This first dot is, is Vin. That's the Sunderer. That's the other party members, and that's Prim lying on her side. That works. So, first on the initiative is Tenchi, but before, at the top of the initiative order, um, something occurs. Um, down the list, I want you to tell me something in your inventory. Vin. I'm sorry, what did you say? You wanted us to tell you something what? Something in your inventory. Vin. Uh, just a random thing? Yep. I have a silver dagger. Okay. Bork. Bork. Thorn dice. I have thorn dice. Okay. Tenchi. Kenji, tell me a random thing in your inventory. Oh, sorry, I was muted. Um, I have the glass rose from the Lamian. Okay. Ogden. I got my boots of Elven Kind. All of those things rust away. I was afraid of that. I'm so glad I did not pick my plate nail. That would have sucked. Okay. We're going to barefoot like a hobbit now. Awesome. Yeah, well. Um, you're probably wearing socks. Anyway, Tenchi, you're up. Okay, so I feel this thing, like, dissolve from my pocket. I'm just like, wow, that's weird. Um, uh, I'm going to move around to his flank, not in melee range. I'm going to probably be about 15 or so feet from him. 
Uh, and I'm going to do my magic fists attack. Um, like the, the yeah. Hadouken thing, or like things yeah. of the Fire Serpent? No, the, the Hadouken thing. Because okay. um, I can still make... It's, it's radiant damage, not fire damage. And um, it's just... I don't know, I haven't used it in a while. Um, so, rolling for the first attack. Uh, yeah, that's probably not going to go well. Um, that's a 15. To hit? Uh, yeah, 15 to hit. That misses. Second attack. Oh, that'll carry. That's a 27. That'll hit. And for the third bonus attack, a 19. That'll hit. All right. Um, before you roll damage on the, on the, the two hits, you will yeah. see him raise his black metal gauntleted arm and grab your first throw and <laughs> pull it back and throw it back at you. Oh my god, he's got Does it count as a projectile weapon? This isn't. This is not like fifth edition okay, printed mind. bullshit. Okay. This is dumb yeah. thing I made up. Um, <laughs> and he threw back at you and rolled a total of a twenty-three. Does that hit you? Yeah. What's the damage? D eight. Uh yeah, D eight. D8, D8 radiant plus dex. Uh, yes, but um. Do you add deck modifiers to damage in this? I, I don't know. What does it say? Oh, you're using my attack stat against me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, It'd be a 1d8 plus 4. 1d8 plus 4? Okay, you take 9 damage. And then go ahead and roll damage against hitting him. Ooh. Okay, so let me mark that on my sheet. And the damage is necrotic instead of radiant. Oh. Alright, so... 1d8, so that's 10 for the first attack, and 8 for the second attack. Okay, so, I'm sorry, 10 and 8, you said? Yes, 10 and 8, total of 18 points of damage, all of it radiant. Yep. Alright, um, is that your turn then? Uh, yes, that would be my turn. Ogden, you're up. Alright, Ogden's going to expect Death Warder onto himself and run in to engage the uh, Sunderer in melee. Okay, you are in melee range with the Sunderer. That's it. Okay. Death Warder is a standard action, right? I believe that. Let me double check that. But yes, I'm pretty certain Death Warder is a standard action. Oh yeah, I'm pretty oh. sure it is. <laughs> Alright. Yep, what action? Yep, that's it all is I can It is the Sunderer's initiative. He is going to bonus action... Dimension Door. He is going Shit. to appear right in front of uh, Vin. And his smoldering eyes through his plate mail helmet. Wow, Lord, your penny's just there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she was like, oh shit. <laughs> I haven't even gotten to go. Yeah, he never will. <laughs> he is going to look down at you and say, you will. And for the first time you've ever heard the Sunderer speak, I believe. Or at least. Did you hear him speak last time you fought him? 
I think he's. We've heard him speak in every fight. He will look at you and say, "You will meet my master, but not all of you." And he, what staff are you holding? One of the magic ones. One of the magic ones. Staff of power. I know, but the one with charges or the one without charges. The one with charges. He reaches behind you and pulls the staff from your backpack and crumbles it in his hands. Ooh. And then punches you. Wait, uh, when you break a staff of power, it creates an explosion? That is correct. And I'm rolling the damage. Oh, okay. okay. Uh, can, you, can you tell me what the damage is? It's, it's like some amount of force damage, right? I'm sorry. Uh, it's like... A, okay. It's some amount of D10s of force damage, I believe. Five. You can use an action to break the staff over your knee or against a solid surface. Per- performing this, blah, blah. Staff is destroyed and re- releases its remaining magic in an explosion that expands to fill a 30-foot radius. You have a 50% chance of instantly traveling to a random plane of existence, avoiding the explosion. If you fail to avoid the effect, you take force damage equals to 16 times the number of charges on the staff. Okay, so considering that there's no, there's no charges in the staff, mm-hmm. I'm going to just do 2d10 in okay. the 30-foot radius. Every other creature in the area must take make a DC 17 dexterity saving throw. That would be all three, all four of you. He fell forward 25 feet away. Yeah. Wait, it would be what? It would be all three of you. Or sorry, it would be yeah, the Sunderer, uh, Vin, and Tenchi. Not Tenchi, Ogden. Okay. Bummer. Dexterity is like my least. Good stat. And what's the DC Sorry, on that? Uh, 17. Alright, the Sunderer failed to save. Oh, thank goodness. Well, that makes me feel a little bit better. Ogden failed to save with attack. Uh, I also failed to save. Oh all my right. god. All of, you take, all of you take 11 force damage. Okay. Okay, that wasn't nearly as bad as I thought it was going to be. I, like I said, it was 2d10. Imagine, just out of character, imagine what would happen if I broke my staff 16 times the number of charges, which I keep it fully charged. You have to re-roll, you have to roll a die to recharge the things, but 16 yeah, times. Yeah, you're throwing around a tactical nuke with your backpack. Did you roll that? I did, and that's she why does, been, actually. That's why I've been saving the other staff, because this is like a, a potential plan for destroying the Thunderer that I had going. Where I would just run up and break them both and just like fall on that grenade for you guys. Oh, you're such a champion. So, no, he kind of forces your hand. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, He he breaks that other one and he gets uh, flown back 10 feet so he doesn't get to punch you. Uh, But he broke your staff. I'm very sad about that. Yep. And just stands back up with his remaining movement. And uh, that's his initiative. 
Um, Bork, you're up. So where is he in relation to me now? About 35 feet in front of you. Can't you charge at double your speed? Yeah, double right now, but... Does charging give you extra movement? I don't know that charging is a thing that you can do. It is a, a thing, because I've been doing it. Well, you have a feat like called Charger that says if you move 10 feet or more, you do extra stuff. I do a plus 5 damage mm -hmm. if I charge. Well, but I don't think it increases my speed. Here, I'm looking into the feet right now. Okay. Oh! Wow, we've been using Charger wrong. Really? Yeah. When you use your action to dash, you can use a bonus action to make one weapon attack or to shove a creature. If you move at least 10 feet in a straight line immediately before taking this bonus action, you either gain... Plus five bonus to the damage roll, or push the target up to ten feet away. If you choose to shove it. So, she'd use Bork would use her, his movement, move up to thirty feet. Right. Then take the dash action, and Correct. at the end of that, a bonus attack to charge with a plus five to damage. Not charge. Stop using that word. I'm going to try and break you guys in that because it's not oh, a thing. Okay. But because of your feet, Charger, if you dash, and the last 10 feet that you use to move is in a straight line, you may bonus action attack for plus 5 damage. Hmm. But it does not increase my speed. Well, it does. In this exact scenario, it does. Because what you do is you move the 30, and then you dash. And because the last 10 feet of your movement, granted, 5 of it was dash movement, and 5 of it was move action movement, the last 10 feet was in a, a straight line. So you could do that and get to your target and still get your bonus action attack this round. But as right, you've been doing it... Anyways, okay. I'm going to vow to kill this thing and walk up probably about 10 feet. Oh shit, she's doing the RP walk then. Um, Actually, hold on a second before we go into that. Uh, the dash action explicitly says that it increase equals your speed after applying any modifiers. With a speed of 30 feet, for example, you can move up to 60 feet on your turn if you dash. Uh, page 192. Yeah, I understand. So, yeah, that actually does increase your speed. Well, and coupled with her feet, yeah, in theory, she could just dash in and then choose her, use her charger feet to make a bonus attack. I, I, I think we're all on the same page on that. Okay. 
No, that was the thing you took at fourth level. Yeah, I thought you took it. What? How is that? It's just something that you took in. No, it, it, it specifically says, like, because I understand what you're thinking about. That's like a very 3-5 battle trick sort of maneuver where you charge somebody and get bonuses for running at them when you make your attack. But that's not a thing in this. Now, charge oh, does let you do that. I mean, it does literally let you close twice as much distance and still get to attack. And that attack is more powerful. Um, mm -hmm. So, like, in this exact scenario, it's perfect. But you won't get to put your uh, vow of emininity before you attack. That's why I'm just going to move 10 feet. And the range on vow is 30? Yeah, I believe my vow is on... Right now. Uh, you are oath of vengeance, right? Yeah. Uh, no, valve eminity is ten feet. Ten feet. All right. Well, then I'll move twenty-five feet so that I'm ten feet away from him, and that would kill him. All right. Next up is Vin. Yes. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to cast, uh, Armor of Agathus. Okay. And, uh, I'm going to put some distance between myself and the sender, Are you going to move to either side of him or just straight away? Um, so. Well, he's 10 feet away from her. This dragon's got blown back to the. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, there's no attacks of opportunity. I was asking for, like, okay. directional sake. So, if, if he's, like, here and, like, Prim is here and I'm, like, over here, right? Mm -hmm. How far between me and Prim? So he's 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 in front of you. It's like almost kind of like a line. So okay. you'd have to like go around him and then forward to get to Prim. How many feet? Um, trying to like geometrically put that out. Let's say sixty feet to give him at least a five foot berth. Right. All right. Well. In that case, I'll just go 25 feet sort of in her direction. Diagonally towards her? Yeah. Okay. All right. Do you want to throw lightning at him at all? Well, I've cast armor of Agathis. Right. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Okay. Initiative resets. Um... Ogden, tell me something on your inventory. Uh, another one? Shit. Um, oh, boy. Probably my prayer book. 
Tenchi. Mm. Uh, six copper. <laughs> Bork. Uh, my holy symbol. Vin. I have a gilded werewolf claw. Oh, bummer. So the holy symbol and the prayer book fly from your inventory and ten feet away from you onto the ground. So not destroyed, that's nice. Correct. And you see a black hammer form and smash those items. So you have it, bro. Shut up. But as that happens, you see either, for, for, for Ogden's holy symbol, you see Gnome hold the hammer up and away from your book. And for for Bork's holy symbol, you see Shade wrap his bat claws around it and hold it up from your symbol, and it smashes into the ground next to it. For um, Tenchi's six copper, they fly from your coin purse and, and cut into your face. <laughs> and that was the price, literally the price I paid. <laughs> you take six damage. Uh, Vin, your gilded werewolf claw that I'm sure you treasure so dearly. Callback to a previous episode. It is a callback, and I appreciate from that from a lore perspective. But because I'm sure you value it so much, it flies from your pouch and sticks into your foot. For the next round, your move speed is reduced by ten feet, and you take three damage. Right, I'll take it out of my armor of Agatha's damage. Can I damage the werewolf claw? No, it damages the sundor. Sweet. Oh, right. Oh, speaking of werewolf claws. So that is 20 damage. It's not 20 damage. It's 3 damage. No, every time... The way Armor of Agathis works is um, when I am... I love how you're trying to throw the book at the DM. This is going to work so well for you. Armor of Agathis deals damage back to the attacker for the amount of damage you receive to the temporary hit point pool. Alright, hold on. I'm gonna read it. Okay. He's reading it. The uh, Lauren's face on our uh, on our display is frozen with these wide eyes and just staring at the screen, and it is like so perfect. <laughs> no, you know what? That no, she's totally right. Interesting. The way I would say it was would make more sense, but it the way it's the way it's written. If a protective magical force surrounds you, manifesting as a spectral frost that covers you and your gear. You gain five temporary hit points for the, for the duration. If a creature hits you with a melee attack while you have the, these hit points, the creature takes five cold damage. It doesn't specify whether or not the melee attack deals the entirety of the armor's damage. It just says if they damage you, that's what you take. I guess that's why there's no actual rule for casting it at a higher level, because that just stacks and stacks and stacks. That's not true, because it says at higher levels, 
When you cast the spell using a second level spell slot or higher, both the temporary hit points and the cold damage increase by five for each spell slot above the first. Right. So unfortunately, Lauren is absolutely fucking correct. Even though she oh. only lost three points of her armor of Agatha's hit points, she still retorts with or retaliates with twenty cold damage. Jesus. That's fantastic. That spells fucking dope. That is pretty good. Uh, Lauren, we lost visual on you. Is everything okay? I think we lost audio too. Yeah. So, it is it is uh, the Sunderer's initiative, and by that I mean it's Tenchi's initiative. So, did we decide if the Sunderer took damage from my? Uh, yeah, he took the full he took the full twenty damage. I read the spell, and that's the way it works. Even if you take only. Partial of the armor away, you still take full damage every time you damage it. That it's kind of awesome. Is armor baguette this a warlock only spell? Uh, no, it's a just it's just an abjuration spell. Yeah, it's okay. That is so good. Yeah, I like it. It's a way to deal damage. Like yeah, now, it's it's warlock and wizard only. Oh, sorcerer doesn't get it. No. Oh, oh shit! No, it is. It is anyway. purely a warlock spell. You're absolutely right. Yep, only warlocks get access to armors like this. Hmm. That might be why a lot of warlock spells, the few that there are, are really potent. Yep. Mm. Anyway, is it uh, my initiative? Right? Yes. Yeah. Sure. Why not? <laughs> yeah, sure. Are we okay? Uh, I'm going to jog lightly up to the Sunderer, who I can only assume is like five feet from me at this point. Um, and I am going to go for the full banquet of two plus flurry of blows. Uh, and I'm doing the special modified version of flurry. Give him the full beats. Mm-hmm. So. The flurry, of, the modified flurry of blows only affects the two hits that come from flurry of blows, right? Correct. Okay. So first attack is a eighteen. Second attack is a twenty-two. First flurry of blows, fuck, is a seventeen. Second flurry of blows is a 27. I believe all of those hit. Did I hear anything below that 18? The 17 was, was the lowest one. Oh, then 17 misses. 17 misses, okay. Alright, so he's getting dealt necrotic damage for one of those attacks. I'll let you know which one it is. Uh, six regular, another nine regular, and then uh, nine plus two necrotic. So fifteen, nine, two. 
Yes, I do believe that was it. Okay. And I get two temporary hit points as my fingers light up with claws and just tear away flesh and it just kind of forms over my body. Well, no real flesh, but yeah. You coming in okay now, Lauren? Yep, we're good. Alright. Okay. It's Ogden's initiative. Ogden is going to use a channel divinity to cast Flame Strike on uh, on the Sunderer at a range of 60 feet. Which I believe he's at 25 right now, if, I, if my math is correct. Correct. Alright, so uh, it's a 10 foot radius burst. I'm going to center it so that it does not hit Tenji. And he needs to make a dexterity save. Oh my goodness. What that's, a nice roll. That's 22. 22 will succeed, but he still takes half. Okay, roll it out. So, uh, because of luminous feature, where I add two times my uh, mod to radius da- or to radiant damage, he takes uh, 21 radiant damage. Okay. And 11, 15, 18 fire damage for a total of, what is that, 39 damage total. That's one of my challenge minis for the day. I'm trying. Uh, as a bonus action, I'm going to cast Shield of Faith on myself to give myself plus 2 AC, and then I'm going to run in uh, an engagement melee again. Is Flame Strike, uh, does the Pillar of Fire stay there, and if he stands in it, he continues to make damage? That is a fantastic question. Let me check. Or is it just like a Uh, boom? I think it's just a boom. But a small boom. Yeah, it does not say that... uh, It does not say that it lasts. It's one action, direction, and instantaneous. So it's probably just a one and done. Cool. That's still pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, it's still pretty good. Alright, it's the Sunderer's initiative. And I am right next to him. Well, so is so Tenchi. Yeah, I know. If he attacks Tenchi, I get an attack of opportunity. If he attacks me, eh, whatever. Right. <laughs> Actually, that's a good question. How does that work if he attacks both of you? I'd still uh, get an attack of opportunity if he attacks an adjacent ally, regardless mm-hmm. of whether he attacks me as well. Alright, well, instead of taking the attack action, he will instead... Uh, cast harm. So I believe you still get the uh, attack of opportunity on that. Alright, roll it. Oh, you're attacking me with that? Yeah, he's at 20. That's the third one tonight. Nice. Oh, yeah. Alright, so max damage. Max damage, uh, 1d8 with my Mace of Disruption. Uh, is he fiend, undead, or anything like that? Or, or anything like that. Because my direction just focuses on those explicitly. Oh, then no. Okay. So, uh, max damage would be... Where's my strength? Two. Ten damage total. He was, at one point, a fiend. But he's changed that up here. Remember, every time you guys fight him, he adapts to what you guys have put forward. Mm Mm-hmm. So, basically, we need to keep being smart in order to, you know... Um, Alright, so he casts harm on Tenchi. Tenchi, make a constitution saving throw. Oof. Oh yeah, my 
waste of disruption silver. If that two. Okay, you take ten. Well, fourteen d six necrotic. Fourteen d six. Holy crap! Bye. That's 32 necrotic. Mm, I'm alive. <laughs> and your hit points maximum is reduced by that amount. So. 32 necrotic. And my maximum hit points are now reduced by 32. So not, what are not, you at there, Kenji? Not forever permanently, but... No, this is just temporary now. For this fight, yeah, at least this fight. Still. So what's your total at now? Hold on. Uh, I, for Mathematically, it works out that I'm 26 out of 39, which is a higher percentage than I was. But still... <laughs> uh... 26 out of 39 is not better than 56 out of 39 out of uh, 71. Yeah, that's not good. Yeah, and those uh, two temporary hit points really, uh, really helped simplify my math. <laughs> um, for what it's worth, I rolled garbage damage. Good to know. Yeah, 14 to 6. I was expecting at least a 40. Yeah. Um, and with his offhand, he is going to cast it towards Vin. Vin, you are surrounded by a cloud of blades. A wall of blades, even. Okay. A, a, a barrier of blades, one would even say. He casts blade barrier around you. Okay. Uh, but they're not, like, coming at me or anything. No. But you were surrounded... Okay. By a circle of whirling knives. Okay. I forget, is he wielding a weapon right now? Yes. Okay. A warhammer, like always. Uh, and that's his turn. Bork. You can, but you'll be putting me up to a very small maximum pool of health. Well, how much can I bring you up to? Like six points. Mm, no, she could bring me up 13, and that would put me at 39 out of 39. Mm. Alright, well, I walk up to you and I slap you on the back, and I heal you from. It's plus 13. Mm-hmm. So. You're healed up to, to max, so I'm still vowing to kill this motherfucker. That's, uh, that's two rounds. Yep. Of tension. As the tension builds. Then. Alright. Um... Okay. So 
So how close are uh, Ogden and Tenchi? Within five feet of each other. What? They're within five feet of each other. Okay. Well then, I am going to cast uh, a hit target targeting some. Casting the spell. Fourth level? That's a 4d12. So, so that's 3d12? 4d12. 4d12? Okay. Yeah, it's. When you cast a spell using yeah. a second slot or higher, the, the, the initial damage increases by 1d12 for each slot above the first. So, 4d12. Alright. That's pretty beefy. Damage is damage. I mean, that link has been made. It's pretty much guaranteed damage from here on out. So, yeah, you just get to jolt him from for four to forty-eight damage every round now. Well, so that's good. That's good. Initiative resets. Then tell me an item in your inventory. have a also uh, real quick you should be making uh, checks against me to affect uh, no never mind because uh, I attacked first so sanctuary was dispelled never mind yep forgot about that continue I didn't <laughs> I have a scroll of daylight okay Bork So I have a certain amount of these. I have to give you the full amount. I can't just say one of. I've, I've got ten javelins, but do I have to say the full ten, or can I just say one no, javelin? No, no. All you want, all you have to do is tell me an item in your inventory. If you okay, want to say your javelins, that's fine. Tenchi. Uh, I have a hunting trap. A hunting trap. Yep. Part okay. of my uh, background's inventory kit. And Ogden. Oof. This is a hard decision. Running out of shit, right? He used to be a hoarder, huh? A little bit. Ugh. 
as much as this pains me to do, my uh, bottle of glowing mushroom vodka. Hmm. Okay. Vin, you said a scroll of daylight, is that right? What was that? Vin, you said a scroll of daylight, is that right? Your scroll of daylight flashes out of your backpack before you and casts darkness on your location. Bork, you elect. I just can't see. You cannot see. Okay. Bork, you said javelins. Is that right? Bork, did you say your javelins? Sorry, I had us muted. Yes. yes. Make a ranged weapon attack with one of your javelins at the Sunderer. One of them is a nat 20, and I get an advantage, so nat 20. Well, you're only making one attack, right? Yeah, but I'm vowing to kill him, so I get advantage on that. Gotcha, gotcha. Nat 20. One of your javelins flies out of its holster on your back, and it's aiming for Tenchi's spine. But as it flies, you see Lumina grab it by the tip and pull it out of the trajectory, and it plunges into the Sunderer. Roll damage. Damn. Whatever. What did I reduce that for? That would be seven damage. Okay, he takes seven damage. That's okay, I would have just caught it anyway. Um, Tenchi, what is it that you said? Uh, it was a hunting trap. Your hunting trap flies out of your pack and, like, gnashes its jaws and bites you. What damage does the, does the trap do normally? Uh, it did not give me a damage. Because it was just something, like, you would snare, like, a... a a rabbit or a squirrel or some small game. I will say then it deals you 1d8 damage and pins you, makes your speed zero for this round. You take three piercing damage and your speed is zero for this round. Or you can take an action to dislodge the trap from you. Um, you Ogden. Three damage, you said? Yes. Ogden, what did you say? I said my uh, bottle of glowing mushroom vodka. Your glowing mushroom vodka flies out to the Sunderer who grabs it and drinks it, and it restores him by 13 hit points. Asshole, I was saving that. (laughs) Yeah, apparently it's a bit. (laughs) Tenchi, it's your initiative. Okay. Um... I'm rooted in place, but he's still right in front of me, right? Yeah. Mm. Uh, I'm going to set up patient defense, uh, burning that key point, and then I'm just going to pop him twice. Okay. What does patient defense do? Uh, I set up dodge as a bone Yeah. And that's um, plus one or plus two in your AC or something? 
plus two to my AC, yeah. Okay. No, it's a uh, disadvantage on uh, attack rolls made against me until my next turn. Alright, Andy. Uh, so for the first one, it's a 25. And this one is a 10. That's a hit and a miss. Mm-hmm. Did max damage, though, so it's 12. Well, you undid that so vodka, so him. good job. I just really lean into him with a, like, a horrifying uppercut. Or shove that ball down his throat while he's drinking it. Hey, did, did he make a fortune save to not get drunk? Yeah, he passed. Oh, damn it. <laughs> Even despite the fact that fortitude saves aren't things in this edition. I mean, con saves. Sorry, I can only You can be... tell the 35 player at heart. Right, I'm just, I can only be so smug about it. Alright, so, so uh, I know we're going past our regular time, but I don't think this combat's going to go on too much longer. Okay, that's fine, we're still going. Yep. Alright, so, uh, Ogden, it's your initiative. Alright, first I'm going to use my action to use another, uh, burn another Child Divinity to cast Radiance of the Dawn. How can you channel uh, Divinity when you don't have my Holy Symbol? And any magical darkness within 30 feet of me is dispelled. Is vain within 30 feet. You cannot use that channel divinity because your holy symbol is not on your person. No, that's my prayer book. Ah, clever boy. <laughs> All right, so yeah, uh, she is within 30 feet of you. All right, I burn my action to cancel and completely get rid of the darkness. Okay. And then I use a bonus action to cast Sanctuary on Tenshi. Okay. And that hey. is my turn because I'm not moving anywhere. Um, it is the Sunderer's initiative. He uh, raises his warhammer up on high and just simply says, I will break you. Ogden, what are you armed with? What's my armor? It's currently 23. What are you armed with? I'm armed with my uh, Mesa Disruption, my Plus one shield and my armor to my, yeah, my armor of radiance. Okay. He is going to attempt to attack Tenchi. Tenchi's got dodge and he's got sanctuary. Right. So, so will save. Will save for wisdom save first. Oh, wisdom save. What's Sorry. the total? against Ogden's DC, uh, DC right. right. What's the DC for that? Yeah, which I believe is 15. Hold on one second. Yeah, DC's 15. Okay, he oh, fails. So he has to opt for another target. So he has to attack Ogden. Yep. My AC is currently at 23. Okay. He is not attacking you. He, um... How would this fucking work in this edition? What, Sundering? Yeah. Shit. I'm fairly certain that's in the Flare's Handbook somewhere. Let's oh, take a look. Looking. It's in a book. Reading Rainbow. I was afraid he was going to do this. Well, I don't see Sunder in the... Uh I feel like there's a feat for Sundering. 
if I'm not mistaken. In the index. I don't think there ever was. I thought that was something that got taken out of here. Anyway, he's going to take his That'd entire be action. Game to be the Sunderer, not being able to Sunder things. Yeah. He's going to take his entire action and destroy your shield. Oh, man. I've had that since day one. Mm. Fuck. Um, That's three AP lost. And you take a a, a, a a thundering three bludgeoning damage from the shock. Oh, man. Rest in peace, my shield. Yeah, right. Hey, man, it took a hit, so you didn't have to. I mean, that's its job, but... Oof, that was barely heirloom and whatnot. Right? Oh. That is... Oh, that is not... not no bueno. This is when our character turns into a barbarian. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> He's like, I put my second hand on my mace. Let's go, motherfucker. Pretty much at this point, <laughs> I've got nothing to lose. Uh, Bork, you're up. Or Just keep going, you're gonna be fighting naked. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I'm afraid of. God, I hope the Wing Crystal gives me some new armor. <laughs> We're just gonna try to hit this guy. Okay. Are you smiting? He's also smiting. Okay, so yeah. Bork's at maximum Bork's smitage. Third, third with, level. With, with two rounds of, of tension built up. Yep. So I thought the tension went away because she made the javelin attack. That was no, not... That, yeah, oh, okay. that was something totally different. And he is not a fiend undead celestial or fae. He is a right. celestial. Oh. Yeah! Oh. Yeah! Oh, light him up. Let me see if there's anything else I can do. Yep, there's that one. Now, just to All make right. sure I wasn't robbing you, uh, Ogden, your maze does not affect celestials, right? No, it does not. It only fae and undead. Okay, that's what I thought. I just wanted to make sure because you didn't mention it. No, 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 it's totally cool. Look at all those guys. She needs two hands to hold them all. Oh my god, they flipped the box. I lost one of them. There you are. Alright. Alright, I need to count. <sighs> Intermission. <laughs> Counting dice. Da 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 Seven, three, plus ten. Man, this guy's just taking all my nice things and shooting all over him. My vodka, my shield. Thankfully, he didn't I like what you're doing. Say what? 
I liked which one came first. My vodka, also my shield, I guess. <laughs> well, right, I, mean, I did that vodka myself. It was a special glowing mushrooms. From right. great. 66 damage. Holy shit. Uh, he's dead. <laughs> Wait, how much did he just do to Yeah, I would say so. How much? I'm going to play this out. I've been walking up to this guy for two rounds. And you just slap him into the ground. <laughs> so as Bork steps up and her great weapon smashes and destroys the plate mail of this being's uh, body, you hear an, an almost threatening echo that fills the plains around you. And it says, You will fight, my lord. Not complete, but you will fight him, and it fades out. The, bar- the blade barrier fades away from Vim. Uh, Tenshi, your maximum hit points are restored. I mean, your your hit points currently aren't restored, but your maximum goes back to its full. Right, maximum. no, I understand. Cool. Uh, Still up there, too. hangs his head, looks at his broken shield, and tries to cast Mending. It doesn't work. Oh. Damn it, it's dead, Jim. Do you like Did he at least leave me any of the vodka? <laughs> no, he drank it all. Damn it! <laughs> Do you pick up like any of the fragments of your shield? Yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and kinda scoop them up and just Oh, it's been a good run and then like put them in my backpack or something. Gotcha. All right, I gotta make a uh, strike checks to get out of the uh, the binding, the le- the leg trap. Okay. Uh, what is it? Yeah, it's like a DC thirteen to get out. Yeah, I just rolled a thirteen, so we're good. <laughs> Nailed it. Yeah. Do you need Blink Tenchi, or are you actually? Uh. Uh, I mean, yes, I, I could use healing. I got popped a couple times. Um, I still have. Well, anyways, that's going on. I'm going to cinch up his backpack and head over to check out Prim, make sure she's all right. Prim is Prim is seven points I can allocate out to people if they need it. I think I don't know who took damage, Prim. No, uh, a couple of no, that's people. right. He did the sanctuary saved your ass. Yeah. Alright, so the dust sort of clears. Prim is stable, but hurt. Um, and just fast-forwarding, you guys take a day of rest. Um, yeah. Whether yeah. it's healing up Prim, healing up your allies, you guys heal up, take the day, and the next day Prim is fit and ready to take you back to the sky. Yeah. Sounds good. Let's do that. Alright. You guys, I guess we're calling it here. you guys fly on uh, for another week, and on the seventh day, you see in the distance a large floating island hanging amongst the clouds with some sort of township on it. And with that, that's it for tonight. <laughs> Thank you for joining Every day us. day along that travel, I'll just go ahead and keep trying bending on a shield. Even though he knows it's not going to work. Doesn't work. Alright, well, thank you for joining us for another round of Dungeons & Dragons. I am, as always, your host, Kenny. We have our party with our warlock. Hi, I'm Lauren. 
I play Vin. Our monk. Uh, that would be Tenchi getting bopped around by James. Right. Uh, our cleric. That would be Ogden, the now shieldless dwarf, played by Aiden. And our Sunder Sunder and Paladin. That would be me, Michelle, playing Fork, the one who saunters up and bitch slaps bitch slaps people. Thank you for joining us tonight. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. Bye.